welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with the living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the To Grow Good podcast. This week, we have an amazing conversion story for you. I hope that everyone who's joined the email list enjoyed our first ever written devotion that went out on this past Sunday. It's the first one that I ever wrote. So hopefully you enjoyed it and um, it helped you to connect the gospel into your everyday life. The goal with these devotions, which are called scripture scribbles, weekly devotions written by Catholic women, is to open up the scriptures in a way that it connects to your personal life, your each of our own personal journeys of conversion and encounter with God. And that's what we're trying to infuse throughout these scripture scribble devotions, just everyday ways that God has spoken to us through the gospel and, and converted our heart continuously. Cannot wait to continue to share those with you every Sunday going forward. If you want to read those, have access to those, you can join by going to degroga.com slash contact or any of the forms on the website and you'll join our email list. Cannot wait to have you reading those and encountering the Lord with us every week together. I also just wanted to say really quickly, thank you for all those that have signed up for Branches of the Vine, our community member platform over here at To Grow Good. Your financial support and prayers and encouragement just means so much. I feel like I'm growing in confidence as we step out onto this water and we see what God wants to make of the show. And I just really feel like I would love to be able to share more conversion stories more often on the show, in addition to scripture seeds. But there are so many stories out there and so many people reaching out, wanting to be on the show to share their, their experience and their conversion story home. So if you want to help me make that happen for season three, I would just ask you to prayerfully consider joining us in Branches of the Vine. You get a bunch of awesome bonus gifts from the To Grow Good shop. You get a bonus episode every month as I share more of my heart and more of my journey home to the Catholic Church, um, ways that the Lord used different things and different aspects in my life and in my journey to draw me closer to the fullness of truth. I really feel like if you enjoy these conversion stories, you're going to love the bonus episodes every month. So would love for you to have us join us over there, join us over there and just um, would love to meet you. We, we chat, we share our hearts and it's a member only platform. So come on over and learn more about it. You can go to growgood.com slash support or patreon.com slash to grow good to join today. All right, my friends, we have just two conversion stories left in season two. So this is the second to last conversion story for season two. And I am just overjoyed to have Joanna Ojeda joining us today to share her amazing story of conversion and encounter with God. Joanna shares just her powerful journey 
she grew up Catholic, but as she grew older, she kind of journeyed away from the faith, spent some time away from practicing the faith of her childhood. Um, it wasn't until she began to feel this calling in her heart to come back to youth ministry that things began to change in her life. She shares how her surface level faith developed into a deep and unshakable trust in God as she suffered through a series of profoundly difficult life challenges, one of which including the process of obtaining an annulment through the Catholic Church. And just her vulnerability in, in explaining her journey was just so moving to me. I feel like this is a topic that you don't really hear a lot about. And that as Joanna was sharing her, her experience with it, it was just so beautiful to hear how she leaned on the Lord throughout this whole period of suffering and darkness and how the Lord showed up in pretty amazing ways. Incredible Holy Spirit nudges and miraculous encounters are just at every turn in Joanna's story of deeper conversion into the truths of the faith in her relationship with God. I cannot wait for you to hear this. I feel truly honored sharing this today. I hope that this reaches someone that maybe um, can relate or is going through a, a, a dark period like this as well. Um, Joanna just has such a powerful way of sharing how the truths of the faith how the sacraments and how re her relationship with Christ grew throughout this period and the struggle and how sh she's now able to use this experience to relate to others and share more of God's heart and her own heart with others, which is just what is so beautiful about what the Lord does, even with our darkest parts of our journey. So I cannot wait to share this without any other delay. Here is the conversion story of Joanna Ojeda. Joanna, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> so, so happy that you are here with us today. Uh, can you start us out by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you do right now? Sure. So my name is Joanna, obviously. Um, I am in youth ministry right now. So that's my, my day job. I'm using air quotes, my day job. Um, so I work with the middle and high schoolers here um, at our parish. And um, on the side, I like to do photography and videography. And that's just kind of my very expensive hobby. <laughs> um, but I love doing that too. So I love shooting weddings and um, which shooting weddings and then working with kids also kind of gives me like, I get to see all the sacraments in what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Um, which is cool. Um, so yeah, I, I live in Orlando. Um, I play Dungeons and Dragons on the weekends for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, let's, I guess, I can't wait to hear just like, yeah, how you even got to where you are now working um, full time with at a parish, <laughs> but let's maybe go back to the beginning. If you could just share maybe what your, um, your journey was like in the faith uh, growing up, like if you had sure. religion or what your relationship was like with God. And um, if there was a moment that you can remember where you kind of met him more personally at a more personal level and realized that he might actually be real. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up cradle Catholic. So I've been Catholic my whole life and I have very devout parents. We were, you know, 
always at mass on Sundays. We were in faith formation every year, whether it was a sacramental year or not. Um, <laughs> so we were kind of always the family that, I don't know, we were there, we were really involved at the parish. So it was just kind of like part of what we did on the weekends was, you know, we were at mass and at church events. And uh, by the time I got to high school, I was in confirmation classes, but also my parents were, um, I don't want to say they made me go because I chose, I really enjoyed going, but they made me go to youth group events and things like that. And pretty quickly um, was asked to be on like the peer ministry team. And then as I got into like the later high school years on the core team. So, and just really, um, really got involved at, as a team and loved it and decided, I love this. This is what I want to do with my life. And I was really close with my youth minister at the time. So she was really empowering and she really allowed me to help her like plan things logistically, whether it was like an advent party or um, even when we were away on mission trips and we had to do some like moving around of groups or whatever. Um, she was just very empowering for me. So that was really kind of the inspiration to go into youth ministry. And then in college, um, you know, the typical college things happened and I got very distracted and I started working in um, the hospitality industry. So I actually wanted to get my degree in event management because I liked the logistical planning that was being done um, in the youth ministry world. So I always like, I've always considered myself a Catholic and I've practiced almost my whole life almost. <laughs> oh, if I pair like my Catholic faith with event planning, then that'll be like the perfect combination of skills for youth ministry. Uh, but I ended up working for a restaurant for a few years and actually got a job in Alaska wow. uh, looking for some cruise lines up there, which was really, really cool. It's really crazy. Um, but, but quite an experience. And um, after that came back home, uh, continued to work in the cruise industry. I was planning cruises for student trips and I was doing that full time while I was still in school full time. And then by the time I got a month away from graduation, I had this existential crisis. Like, what am I doing with my life? I don't wanna do this job forever. And um, started applying to youth ministry positions all over the country. I didn't really care where I ended up. Um, but the Holy Spirit was just kind of telling me no. And it was really frustrating because I was like, Lord, I thought that you were calling me to do this. And now you're telling me no. I don't know what that means. And it was very confusing and it was very frustrating. And so I got a job working at Universal Studios in guest services, loved it, had a great time doing it. And I remember the day I was walking back to the team member parking garage and I was checking my emails. And the youth minister at my home parish um, had sent us an email because I was on the core team there saying that she was going to be moving on and she was going to be leaving her position as youth minister. So in my brain, I was like, oh, that means they're going to be looking for a youth minister. And I remember sitting in my car at this point, it was silent in my car. And, you know, in scripture, when it says like, it wasn't the mighty rushing wind and it wasn't in the earthquake, but it was in the, the silent stillness where we hear the yes and or where we hear the voice of God. And that's where I heard, you know, the spirit tell me like, yes, this is, this is why I had you wait um, so that you could be at your home parish. And that was a huge blessing because 
it had just come full circle from being in the youth group to now I'm leading the youth group and the wow. kids that I was working with were kids I had, you know, I was their group leader for vacation Bible school and now they're in high school and I get to take them on mission trips and stuff. So, wow. Um, yeah, that was just, um, uh, huge blessing to be able to to spend you that must time. have felt like so seen too at that moment you know yeah like, oh my gosh like wow no he like has a role for me like you know yes. like he has a plan for me that he was waiting for me to fill like that yes is, yes such a cool feeling yeah and it was one of those you know hindsight is twenty twenty. like the the no's that I was being told before was because there was a greater yes and if I had kind of forced you know, kind of said like, yeah, whatever, God, I want to do this. I don't care what you think and done it anyway, you know, who knows where I would have ended up, but you know, I got to stay in my hometown where I was close with my family and my friends were here. And these are families that I've known my entire life. And so it was really special to be at that parish. Um, so I was there for about three years. And uh, while I was there, I actually, this is part where I'm like, yes, you're making me nervous. Um, I got, uh, when I was in Alaska, I met somebody and got married a few years later. And, um, this is the point where my, my faith really, uh, was challenged. Uh, cause at this point, I, I'd like to think that I had a, a pretty healthy relationship with God. Um, but it was probably a, a little bit surface level, um, you know, as I've been in youth ministry, my relationship with him has grown so much deeper and um, become more dynamic uh, just because I've grown in my own faith life. But um, about six months after I got married, things started to fall apart. And um, my now ex-husband, um, was having an affair and um, there was a lot of emotional abuse that was happening. I believed him. I wanted to believe him. I wanted to believe that the promises we had made meant something to him. And, you know, he did not grow up Catholic and I did. And so I have known, you know, kind of my whole life, the theology of the body and what those vows mean and what the sacrament means. and. I don't, I don't know that it meant quite the same thing um, for him as it did for me. And this was the point in my life where I was like really mad at God. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lord, I, I thought I was doing what you were calling me to do. Like you, I thought you were calling me to work, you know, for your church to be your hands and feet. And that's what I'm trying to do. But why is this part of my life falling apart? So it, it was very challenging. Um, I was in a very dark place because I had, um, you know, and looking, looking back, I think I see things a little bit differently. I, I don't think I would change anything because it all kind of worked out in the end. This does have a happy ending. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the time I was told like, I can't tell anybody that we're going through marriage problems. Um, nobody will understand. And so it felt like I was totally fake. And, you know, I was getting up in front of teams and 
um, you know, talking about how much God loves them and, you know, the Holy Spirit has a plan when on the inside, I was like, Holy Spirit, what's your plan for this? Because I don't, you know, I'm going to go home to an empty house because my husband is out who knows where. And, um, I spent a lot more time in front of the Eucharist because I felt like I didn't have another choice. I didn't know where to go or who to talk to. Um, and by the time I started opening up and trying to tell people, you know, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, I was met with a lot of, well, you're Catholic and you made these vows and divorce isn't an option, so go back and make it work. And I tried to do that for a long time. At this point, I felt very, um, very on the outside. I felt like I couldn't tell anybody because I was a youth minister and she couldn't possibly be going through marriage problems. She's a newlywed and, you know, divorce isn't an option, but if only one of us is willing to try, right. you know, how, you know, and so, um, eventually, uh, I, uh, I caught my ex-husband, um, and was very broken <laughs> and I remember not I remember talking to a priest about it and him telling me like to sit in front of the Eucharist and ask him what he wants of me and to pray for both my ex-husband and the woman he was Wow. Having an affair with. And at first I was like, excuse me, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to wow. do that. <laughs> but I mean, that's what Jesus says in scripture is to pray for your enemies, which at this point in time, I had considered her my enemy. Um, and going into the adoration chapel, I remember hearing Jesus tell me, like, I want you to come see me for three days. And I was like, all right, well, Lord, but there's only adoration today. And he's like, well, there's lots of other parishes in the diocese, so make it happen. All right, Lord. So the next day I found a parish that had a perpetual adoration chapel. It was about 45 minutes away. I drove out there to do a holy hour. And I remember by chance, my dad was also at that parish that day wow. for a Curcio meeting. Because I, I, I pulled into the parking lot and I was like, that's my dad's car. <laughs> so I texted my dad. I was like, dad, are you at, uh, I think it was St. Peter's. Are you at St. Peter's? And he's like, yeah, I'm here for a meeting. I'm like, okay, me too. I'm going to be in the chapel. And um, I remember going and sitting in the chapel and just asking all of these different saints to just pray for me, to pray for you know, my ex-husband, to pray for you know, the other woman. And just to pray for me. Cause I'm like, I could use an army right now. And I was alone. Well, I guess it was one other person there, but, um, was pretty alone in the chapel as far as like physical bodies go. But I remember feeling like you could feel, feel the space filling up. 
like all of a sudden it felt really crowded. Hmm. And while this was happening, my dad came in and he knelt down next to me and it felt like all of the people that I had asked to pray for me showed up. And um, it was really special for my dad to be there too, because that felt like a physical support that my dad was there. So the next day, um, I go to Eucharistic Adoration at, I think I had gone to Mary Queen of the Universe Shrine where they have adoration every day. And I remember I had a lot of chest pain that day. And I have never really dealt with heartburn before, or I haven't had any heart issues, but I felt just a real tightness in my chest. And I remember like even fidgeting with my seatbelt on the way home because it was so uncomfortable. And I just felt, it was weird. It was a very weird sensation. And the third day I went to adoration and I went back to the shrine and this was a very out of body experience for me. Um, I felt like I knelt down and closed my eyes, but I was not in the chapel anymore at all. And um, I remember there being like um, big kind of gated doors and walking in and it was the most beautiful garden I have ever seen. And I remember what it smelled like. I remember there being a breeze. I remember being able to feel the sun. And I remember Jesus being there and kind of asking him like, what, what is this place? <laughs> and he told me like, this is your heart. I have been rebuilding it for you these past three days. And now all of a sudden, all of those things made sense. Why I was feeling the chest pain and, you know, all of the people that showed up to pray for me. Um, and felt very renewed in that moment and knew that this garden was a place that I could keep sacred and a place that I could go back to when I needed to spend time with the Lord and um, spent a lot of time in there um, throughout that whole next year. Um, I started going to counseling. Um, my ex-husband refused to go to counseling, so I went by myself. And uh, the only kind of private room we had in our apartment was our bathroom. <laughs> so I spent 15 minutes in my bathroom every day with my journal and um, I would set my timer for 15 minutes because I'm a very time-oriented person. And I would spend five minutes talking and like word vomiting to Jesus, everything that happened during the day. I spent five minutes just listening and um, opening up my heart to whatever he was trying to speak to my heart. And five minutes I would journal and kind of write it all out. I journaled and for pretty much that entire next year and I kept trying to work on the marriage and it just wasn't uh, wasn't working out. And that's because uh, my ex-husband had no interest in making things work. And um, so working for the church is both a blessing and a curse sometimes, because you work with a lot of humans and humans aren't perfect and humans don't get along all the time. And so I was working at this particular parish. I was no longer at my home parish. I was at a new parish. 
and was really struggling in that work atmosphere and work environment. And I came home one day and uh, sat him down and said, hey, I think I need to find a new job. Would you be willing to, you know, to transfer work locations and we can start fresh, we can start somewhere new. And he said, no, I think we should get divorced. So that was, yeah. I'd like to say I was like super surprised and super shocked, but I don't know that I was entirely, but I was very shocked because all of a sudden I had all these fears and doubts like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to be a number. Like now I'm part of the 50% of marriages that end in divorce and I'm Catholic, and what kind of judgment am I going to receive from my peers, from the families that I work with, from the church that I work for? And three days late, two or three days later, I get a call from the parish that I work at now, and it was the pastor there, and he said, hey, I just had a feeling that you might be looking for a new gig, would you be interested in sitting down and talking with me? I kind of heard through the grapevine that you might be interested in, you know, working somewhere else. And I was like, all right, Lord, I can take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wow. And um, started here a few weeks later and was such a gift because the staff that's here is staff I, I know most of them and they knew me before I was Joanna Ojeda, right? They knew me um, before I was this, like, before I was a married woman. So it felt very natural coming in and they were all so open and loving and patient and kind when I was like, hey, I just got divorced. <laughs> um, I'm not in a great place right now, so I can do my job but I don't feel like I have a lot to give. Wow. So. Wow. What a crazy journey. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow. I love <laughs> though. I just love how you described how much you leaned on the Lord through all of it and the way that he just so clearly was there like the whole time and how he responded in such a way that it was like, exactly what you needed and oh, yeah. how you knew, like you would know it was him from the way that he showed up to you. Like I just, that yes. moment when it felt like the church got crowded and your dad came in, like, oh my gosh, just so beautiful that he just like was so clearly there and, and that you could even hear that he asked you to come for three days and then the garden, there's just so much oh my beauty. Gosh. Oh yes. my gosh. And when I tell you like, and it's that garden has been a journey too, because even since then there have been moments where I'm like, I'll go back to the garden and I'll be like, Ooh, this place is like overgrown. Like that's just kind of my metaphor for yeah. like my faith life in general now, but like, Ooh, this is very overgrown. Like I need to, I need to do some weeding and um, and every time I go to the chapel to pray, which I consider like weeding the garden, you know, um, or like pruning the plants. I don't know. I'm not a gardener, but, <laughs> you know, it feels like Christ shows up and he'll get down and like on his hands and knees and he has no problem getting dirt on his hands while he helps me kind of like grow and just continue to build that relationship with him. And he's been so patient with me too, even in the moments where I'm like really frustrated and upset. And 
you know, because I think sometimes relationship with Jesus gets kind of, um, it's all rainbows and butterflies and it is those things a lot of times, but, you know, we're human and we have human emotions and some of them are, you know, feelings are neither right nor wrong. They just are. And some of our feelings are more negative emotions where they're hurt and frustration and anger. And it's not necessarily aimed at God, but God can take the brunt of it. So. Yeah. It's like the more that we open up, I think the more he's able to, to be there and help and grow, we grow in relationship with him, the more vulnerable we are with him. And that's what it feels like. And sounds like you are with him, which is so beautiful throughout this whole hardship. But yeah. So then you mentioned, uh, so it, so have you got it annulled? Or what's the process? Yes. No. Yes. So yeah. It yeah. Which that was such a learning curve because I never imagined that I would ever have to go through it. So I've I did, hadn't done any research into it at all. So and it's so funny the juxtaposition between getting a divorce civilly and getting an annulment in the church. Like the civil divorce was like a stack of paperwork, and 21 days or less later, and you're done. That's it it's very cold. It's very unfeeling and just, yeah, it just, it was just weird. Um, so the annulment process is actually two ways. So there's the formal process and the briefer process and the briefer process is for, there's a couple criteria. Um, like you have to be married for less than 10 years. You have to like not have had any children. Um, and the other person, the other, you know, former spouse has to be willing to participate. Um, because there's just a ton of paperwork involved with it too. And, um, you know, with COVID and everything too, the annulment process took a lot longer than expected. So I was told it would take about two to three months. I started the process in January of 2020 and didn't get it annulled, I think, until November of 2020. So it took, it took almost a year to get done and this was another area where I felt very challenged, um, not necessarily in my relationship with Christ, but my relationship with the institution of the church. Um, so, in, and part of the annulment process is they want you to reflect on what went wrong because they wanna set you up for success, you know, if and when there's a next time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you have to answer a lot of questions for what happened. I had to like, and this is another Holy Spirit moment. Thank goodness I kept that journal because I had date stamps for everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And I could go back and read my journal and say, okay, this happened on this day. And this happened on this day because I had to write all that out for the annulment process. And it was in some ways, very cathartic to do it. And in other ways, it was like, I can't do this right now. I don't have the emotional capacity to go back and and reread all of the horrible things that happened to me in this marriage. Mm -hmm. So a lot of paperwork, you have to have witness forms for people who knew you um, and the couple, and they have to write out what they saw and why they think it fell apart. And there has to be basically what an annulment means, and this is kind of how it was explained to me, was there needs to be something that shows before you got married, there was something that one or both parties when they were making the vows could not or did not intend to uphold. So on the other side, so it meant that they didn't mean 
the vows that they were saying or they, they didn't have the capacity to. So there's some criteria like divorce was always an option and come to find out after I was married, that was always an option for my ex-husband, which I didn't know. So in some of the vows you have to make, you know, you're um, open to children, um, which before we were married, we had talked about, yeah. And then after we were married, he was like, yeah, no, I don't want kids, which was like a knife in the chest for me because I was like, I want, you know, I, I wanted a big family because I come from a big family. Um, and then obviously, so, you know, in theology of the body, there's free, total, faithful, and fruitful. So those are like the vows that you say at your, your wedding. Um, and then, so those are kind of the things that they look for. If there's, if one of those pieces isn't there, then that's kind of what qualifies for an annulment. So because of COVID, my annulment got pushed back a lot. And, and what happens is all of this paperwork is collected and, and documented for what went wrong and what happened. And it's submitted to a priest and you have what's called a defender of the bond. And that is, I think, a canon lawyer. And they try to kind of poke holes and say like, nope, this, this is a valid marriage. Um, and then you have your advocate who is usually somebody at the parish level who is the one collecting all this paperwork to say, here's the case for the annulment. Here's why I think it should be annulled. And the defender of the bond looks at it and says, here's why I think it shouldn't. And then a priest ultimately gets his hands on it and decides whether or not it should be or shouldn't be. I do think as hard as the annulment process is, there's like real beauty in it because it shows like how important we take the sacrament of marriage and like how when yeah. you're entering oh, yeah. it, like, and that's what our world and our culture, it's like when we enter it, you know, are both parties fully aware of what they're entering into? Because like we put it at such a high stage it has such a high pinnacle of like, this is what like God reveals to us in Genesis, like with Adam and Eve, the first like marriage, like this is like not a joke. And our culture so takes it as a joke. And so like people are just getting divorced left and right. Like it's like you said, civilly, it's like, oh, just 21 days, like no problem. You know, we're, we're done. There's still real pain <laughs> happening there because it is important and it is something that's meant to be a sacrament, but it's just how, how, um, I think it's just, yeah, I, I think it's eye opening. Like to, I, I've never, I don't, I don't really know much about the annulment process, but I do think I mean, as hard and as gut-wrenching as it sounds like it was, also it's important that it continues to take it that seriously because it is serious. And like, and uh, I think it, it just, it's just hard though in the world we're living in because we just continue to get further and further away from that. So when it's like, when the church does yeah. that, it's kind of like, hard it's just hard there's no way to it's just hard yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah and yeah. and I've never um questioned the institution of the church like yeah. the tradition of the church is 2,000 years old and was set by Peter the rock of the church whatever all that stuff I knew in my head but yeah the I think part of what also made it difficult is there's not many people my age who have been married in the Catholic church who got divorced and are now going through the annulment process yeah. in the church. So, and there's not a whole lot of resources out there for 
people my age going through it. Because I remember looking and it was like, you know, there's some great informational like YouTube videos and podcasts about, you know, coming from priests or people who work from the church about like, this is what an annulment is. And it's very informational, which is great. But I'm like, but I want to talk to somebody yeah. <laughs> about what that experience is like. And, and I had one friend who was kind of, who kind of went through it a year before me. And I, I feel very, very blessed to like, wow. have been able to kind of go through that with her. But I remember feeling very alone throughout the whole process. But like you said, I feel like it was necessary because I wasn't perfect in the marriage either. And there were things that like I needed to learn. Mm. Like I'm a much better communicator now. And because I used to be that person who was, it's fine. This bothers me, but I'm not going to bring it up because it's not worth the fight and it's okay. And then I would just let it fester. And then weeks later, I'd be like, and, you know, freak out about it. And I'm, you know, I just, I found that it, because I had that time to, I was kind of forced to reflect on what had happened. It was a chance to kind of reflect on my own decisions and my own actions as well. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, they're, the church takes the sacrament seriously and they want to set, you know, us up for success. And I actually, part of the annulment process too, is you might have, um, I can't remember what the official term for it is, but basically it's like a red flag. It's like a black mark on your permanent record. Um, not a black mark that has a negative connotation, but you have kind of a mark on your file and if, and when you choose to get married in the church next, you have to meet certain qualifications. So the next time that I wanna prepare for a Catholic marriage, I'm required to go to counseling, which that's a good thing. I, having been to counseling, I think everybody should go to counseling. Yeah, um, It was a great thing for me, but you have to go to premarital counseling. Mm. And um, sometimes you get that put on your record and sometimes you don't depending on the grounds for the annulment. And in my case, um, I, I have, I have that on my record. So the next time um, that I want to get married, it's, it's a way for the church to say, Hey, we want to set you up for success. So we're going to make this a requirement for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Like even the amount of trust that I think the Lord was asking of you, like throughout that whole process, like I mean, that is like, I'm sure though, you've grown so much in your trust. Like now looking back, like you, like you've said a couple of times, like looking back and seeing how he was faithful, like even in the moments where it felt like he wasn't maybe, or like he, you couldn't see how in the world this is going to like <laughs> end well, <laughs> uh, but that he was asking just have faith, like, you know, just just yeah, like, trust me. Yeah. Just trust yeah. me, you know? And like how that must've just been a, like, I feel like it's like a crash course and like <laughs> radical trust, but like how yeah. he was really yeah. asking you to just, yeah, have faith and just trust and, and, and see me see this through with me because there is an end to this and yes. it's going to ultimately help you to grow, you know, through oh, it yeah. all. Yeah. And, and it has, I mean, there was a lot of really dark days, but now they're fewer and farther between. And now that I have that kind of 
really rough climb in my life, I feel like, all right, Lord, it was like all again, like with my job, it was all these like, no, not yet for a greater yes. Yeah. And you know, it was a lot of, like you said, the trust me, trust me, it's going to be okay. Trust me. And, you know, that was hard because I didn't, I didn't have very much trust in anybody at that point because I had been so lied to and, you know, but yeah. What, so what is your relationship with like, like with him now? Um, you know, how has it been just like after all this, like yeah, <laughs> craziness? I mean, do you, yeah. What has it been like with him lately? Just with God? Yeah. I, I spent a lot more time just chatting with him. Um, I think it's more, I, I, we talk about one of our earliest, earlier podcasts, um, how like, thinking about your phone as a metaphor for your relationship with God too. Like, do you just text him throughout the day or do you like call him and talk to him? And, um, I would say like, I text God pretty consistently throughout the day, like a little, like, Oh, thank you God for those green lights on the way to work or, um, Lord, I'm about to have a very difficult phone call with a parent. Can you just be with me? Um, and then spending a lot more time journaling and, kind of developing different ways of prayer. And one of those has been through drawing for me. So I got the, um, I think it's the Blessed Is She, the journaling Bible. And it is just like covered in, I have colored and drawn all over a bunch of pages and um, really turned to scripture more often too, in particular women in scripture. Um, Cause there's a lot of like, yeah, really cool women who've been through a lot of tough stuff and if they can do it, I can do it. And, you know, if they can come out with a stronger faith and relationship with God, then I can too. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I love that. Um, I just love how even in times of darkness, like we can lean on him and he's there, you know, and he understands what we're going through and he knows, you know, the things that aren't fair, the things that are fair. And he knows, you know, how much he loves us and just like how he wants us to lean on him and open our hearts to him. And I just love how your whole story just, I feel like it really um, illustrates that like uh, in, in a time of real, real um, suffering just for others too, that um, maybe have gone through something like this or something else, but just terrible times of suffering and not really understanding, but then trusting that there is a plan uh, in involved in this. Um, but yeah, yes. his plan is always greater than mine. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do trust him in that. And I know that like wherever God leads me is going to lead me to happiness and joy because I know that's what he wants for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel very much that, throughout that time, he was kind of transforming my heart and my mind and, and, um, has made me a much stronger woman for it. Um, you know, sometimes if I, uh, I haven't since I had to fill it out for the annulment process, but like reading through that journal, I was like, wow, what a broken woman that was, what a broken woman I was to now feeling like I have been completely renewed and rebuilt, you know, 
by Christ. Ah, that image of him like rebuilding your heart too at that moment. It's just, oh, it's just so beautiful because yeah, he's probably just continuing to do that with you like over time, you know, like he is for all of us all the time. Um, yeah. So what have been some of your standout influences uh, for you um, in your relationship with God? It sounds like to me, journaling is huge for you. Um, yes. But are there any like people or books or speakers or even um, a retreat or a sacrament. Again, it sounds like Eucharistic adoration was huge in your story. Yes. That, that have helped you on your journey that you have wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, I, I love praise and worship music. So I listen to a lot of that as well. Um, a lot of like Stephanie Gretzinger, I think her name is, and Amanda Cook. Um, they've just got some really great, uh, Amanda Cook has a song called Pieces and that song in particular is like on repeat for me, or was on repeat for me during that time. Um, all sons and daughters had some also amazing music that, um, they had a song called You Hold It All Together. I listened to that song every single day on my way to the gym when I was like living alone for the first time and like, didn't know what was happening in my life. And it was just like, all right tell somebody, go to counseling. Um, so she was very, she was a, a very close to home influence for me because I mean, she was walking through those trenches with me too, as my sister in Christ. And so I'm very thankful for her. So the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on at the end is, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that has played a foundational role in your journey and why? Mm. Uh, it's from Esther and it's something along the lines of perhaps this is the moment for which you were created. Yes. I love that. <sighs> why? So why does that speak to you? Uh, there have been so many moments, uh, of my life where it was kind of like a fork in the road. Like you can either run from God or you can run towards God. And, you know, even in, in walking with teens, you know, who are coming to me with like big challenges in their life. And it's like, I feel like I can relate to you a little bit better now because of the things that I've been through. Um, and I just, I'm very inspired by Esther and her courage and her bravery. And so I just, I love the book of Esther and it's like also a really short book. So it's an easy read. <laughs> um, but I, I like the, I, I don't know. I, I know I mentioned I like play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not super, super good at it, but I enjoy playing because I, I love the whole idea of adventure things and I'm super nerdy. And so I'm into all of the Marvel and Indiana Jones and all that stuff. And uh, just the whole idea of there are these people that are on these like big, great adventures that have been um, called somewhere and then they are equipped with what they need. And then you find out at some point in the story, like, this is the moment for which they were created. Mm. And I feel like God is constantly showing me those moments. Like, this is the moment for which you were created. And wow. he's constantly equipping me on this adventure of my life yeah. with lots of ups and downs with everything that I've needed. Ah, that's amazing. Yes. And I love how in Esther, she is also just a prayer warrior, like how she just opens up to the Lord and just basically is like, she just lays it all out there. Like you need to either show up or like, I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do. Uh, so I just love how honest she is and in her prayer too, like to the Lord and how 
I just feel like that so speaks to your story too. Just like opening up in this time of struggle, but also trusting and just like showing up and like going to the Lord. And it's just beautiful. So thank you so much. This has been awesome, Joanna. Of course. Joy to hear your story. (laughs) I, it's amazing. Like, uh, that you're working in ministry with kids. I'm sure you're just touching so many of their lives, um, and helping them to find Christ. So Thank you. Yeah, that's All the you goal was just to lead them closer to the big guy. So I do. <laughs> I hope that I'm able to do that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. Of course. Thank you. And bye. Bye, Hi, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of To Grow Good. This show is made possible because of your support. There are a number of ways to support this mission. You can join us for the cost of as little as one ice latte a month and helping to get these stories of God at work out to others in the world by joining the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. We have a platform where we can connect and share our hearts with one another. I share on a monthly basis a deeper aspect of my own conversion journey home to the Catholic faith. And there are audio, scripture meditations, gifts from the Tagrogood shop, and more at every giving level. Please prayerfully consider joining us by visiting patreon.com slash to grow good or to grow good.com slash support. You can also leave a written review on Apple podcasts to refer the show to those who may be seeking. You can share the show with a loved one, a family member, a coworker, or someone in your life that might enjoy hearing these incredible stories of God at work. You can join our email list at to grow good.com for lots of behind the scenes content, scripture devotions, and more. And lastly, you can follow us on Instagram at to grow good. I will see you next week.